18. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Good morning and welcome to the weekly services here at Christ Community Chapel. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm so glad you are here with us this weekend, whether you're here in the West service or you're watching over in the East service or you're watching online. Thanks for spending some time with us. I I am really looking forward to continuing and concluding our sermon series on John chapter 1. But before I do that, I did want to make sure you have a particular event that's coming up at our church on your radar because it's it's just an event that I'm really excited about and one I think is really important for us, and that is on May 14th, we are hosting a parent summit. Listen, parenting is, is hard. I, I can say that with some experience and confidence. It's hard. Uh, culture is changing. Uh, your kids, as they grow up, are changing. I know COVID left a mark on a lot of kids and their experiences and their families. Uh, And we want to help. We want to help. We want to bring as many parents together as we can and celebrate together and learn together and commiserate together, do all those things. And we're going to do that at the Parent Summit. Pastor Joe will be teaching. There'll be breakout sessions. I know Amy and I are leading a breakout session. Uh, We're really excited to not only be contributors, but to be fellow learners uh, alongside you as we think about parenting. Uh, We have already over 200 people registered for that. It's going to be an amazing, amazing event. I don't want you to miss it. So May 14th, if you want more information, you can go to the Next Steps area or you can uh, stop by our website and find anything that you need uh, there. Uh, Like I said, I'm really excited about that, and I'm also excited about what we're doing together this morning, which is looking at the last verse, verse 18 of John chapter 1, 1 through 18. Just as a reminder, we've really slowed down in this series to go very deliberately through the first 18 verses of the Gospel of John, and that's because these verses are some of the most important verses in all the Bible. Because of what they tell us about who Jesus is and because of what they tell us who Jesus is and what that has to do with us and our relationship with God. And so we've been very slow and deliberate to work through them. We want to continue that this morning by looking at verse 18. So if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to take it out and open it to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Uh, if you're here in the West service, there are Bibles in the pew in front of you. In East service, they're in the back of the room behind the chairs. I'd love for you to grab one of those, open up your iPhone, iPad, whatever you have, and get to John chapter 1. Uh, And as you do, let me hold out to you an outline that I'm going to use to guide our time together. Three points, very simple, and they go like this. I want to talk about guessing, knowing, and receiving. Okay, guessing, knowing, and receiving. All right, let's start with first, guessing. Uh, This verse starts in a really powerful way. The opening phrase of this verse is really significant. In fact, if you have a Bible, look with me at what it says. Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 18. It starts this way. No one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God. Now, at the first glance, that might not seem like a significant thing for the writer to say, because after all, none of us come in this morning claiming to have seen God this week. Nobody's coming in saying, I had this experience, this moment where God was in front of me and I saw him and I I can tell you what he's like and, and what he looks like. No one's doing that. And even if someone were doing that, 
most of us would be incredibly cynical and skeptical about it. We wouldn't believe it. And so when the writer says no one has ever seen God, it can be easy to shrug that off and say, well, yeah, of course, of course. No one has ever seen God, of course. But he's actually saying something really profound because here's the truth. Even though no one has ever seen God, everyone at some point in their lives is talking about God. God is one of those subjects where even though we've never seen him, we all have an opinion about him. There's a lot of talking always about God. People are saying things like, well, to me, God is like this. Or when I think about God, I think about him this way. Uh, everyone is talking about God a lot. In fact, if you studied human history, what you would find is really across cultures, across time and place and circumstance, every culture that has ever existed has a view or theory or ideology or religion about God. Everyone is talking about God all the time. I, last night I went on Amazon and just in the book section of their website, so you filter out just books, if you type in God in the search bar, 80,000 books come up. 80,000 books about someone no one has ever seen. And what the writer is saying really is that all everyone is doing across human history is guessing. Everyone is just guessing. It would be like walking into a room and hearing a conversation, five people sitting around a table talking about someone, saying things like, well, I know he likes this and I know he likes that and, and, and he, he's for this and against that and, and, and he eats this and doesn't eat that and you just listen to the conversation and then after a while you say, hey, how long have you guys known this guy? And they look at you and go, oh, none of us know him. And you would think that was the dumbest conversation I ever just listened to. There's five people guessing about someone they don't know. And the writer says, that is human religion. We don't know. No one's ever seen him. We're just guessing. In fact, there's a local business here in the area that I go to once a week. And they have a sign on the wall and it says, in here we do not talk about politics or religion. And I get the politics side because I'm on social media too. It's a wasteland out there. Okay, I get that. But when you think about why they don't want people talking about religion, I think in part it's because, yes, people get heated, there are arguments, but it's also because this. When two people disagree about someone they've never seen, how do you break that tie? How do you decide who's right? How do you decide who's wrong? In the end, aren't we all just guessing? Maybe you're here this morning or watching online and you're not a Christian, and you're thinking, exactly, exactly, this is why I'm not religious, this is why I'm not a Christian, because everyone is just guessing. It might surprise you to find that the writer of the Gospel of John agrees with you, at least in some sense, when he says, no one has ever seen God, we're all just guessing. And here's the thing, when you're guessing, it leads to confusion. It doesn't lead to clarity, it leads to confusion. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Most of you know, because I, I talk about it a lot, that I have five kids. Maybe you've seen us in the wild here in Northeast Ohio. Uh, but if you haven't, this is what they look like. There they are. That's just how we roll. Sunglasses all the time. Very cool family, right? 
And I want you to imagine that you were having us over for dinner. You know, when people say, hey, we'd love to have you and Amy over for dinner. And I say, oh, okay, great. And then they say, and the kids. And I say, are you sure? It's not so much having a family as a swarm of people, okay? I'm not always sure people know what they're asking. But let's say that you say, hey, you know, we want to have you over. Everybody want to have you over. But you don't really know us. How would you decide what to make? Maybe you would say, oh, I have one thing I'm really good at making, so I'm going to make that. I mean, that's my go-to having people over dish. Maybe you would say, I know kids. I know what they're into. I know the toys to put out for them. I know what to turn on TV. I know I have, I have animals. I know kids love animals. They'll love my animals. I have great stuff in the backyard. I know Zach and Amy, I've seen them walking around. I know what they like to drink. I know, I know, and you begin to plan this amazing night for us, how could you ever be sure that you were really planning something we would enjoy? How could you ever know? The truth is, you couldn't. You'd just be guessing. You wouldn't know if your guess was right. You wouldn't know. I mean, it could, it could sound right. It could be based on experience, but you could never really know. The writer says that's how we are with God. I mean, we go around saying things like, when I think about God, I think about this. To me, God is like that. That's another way of saying, hey, I have no idea that what I'm getting ready to say is true, but I'm going to say it anyways. No one's ever seen him. No one really knows. Everyone's just guessing, and so we're confused. And here's the thing. When you're confused, you will grab hold of anyone who sounds like they know more than you. Because what you know is you don't know. I'll give you another analogy. I've been married for 17 years. 15 of those years have been great. The first two years, we didn't have GPS. So when we would get in the car to go somewhere, I have a terrible sense of direction. Terrible. I, I, terrible sense of direction. And, and what that means is even when I think I know and maybe do know, I doubt that I know. I mean, some of you, you know what I'm saying, right? So you're like, I'm pretty sure I go left, but because I know I stink at directions, I'm like, wait a minute, that is what I would think. It's probably right. Right? I know I don't know. Well, my wife does not suffer from that insecurity. So before we had GPS, I would say, hey, how do we get there? And she'd go, take a left. So I'd take a left. A couple streets down, take a right. Take a right. The stop sign, take another left. Eventually, I would begin to wonder if we were really headed in the right direction. So I'd say to her, I think we're lost. And she said, probably. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? She said, I don't know where we're going. You just asked me, so I told you. Like I said, 15 really good years of marriage. But here's the thing. That story tells you less about my wife and more about me. When I know that I don't know, anyone who sounds confident sounds right to me. And can you know that's why there are 80,000 books about God on Amazon? Because we're looking for somebody, some author, some pastor, some, some podcaster, some movie maker, someone who can speak eloquently and confidently with certainty about God. We're craving that because we know that we don't know. We know that we're guessing. And so when they show up sounding confident and looking confident, we will follow them by the thousands. But the writer here says no one, including your favorite author, including your favorite podcaster, no one has ever seen God. And here's the thing. If you have my family over for dinner and we hate what you make, we will never tell you. 
Okay, my kids will eat what's on their plate. That's the rule. And afterwards, when we go to Chick-fil-A, we will never tell you. We will never tell you. And we're doing the wink and nod at the table, telling the kids, shh, shh, shh. There's milkshakes in it for you if you just shut up, right? When we're doing that, by the way, it's the stuff like that you can look forward to learning at the Parent Summit. When when we're telling our kids that, you're never going to know that. No harm, no foul. When Amy and I get in the car and we end up lost, other than marriage counseling, we're doing fine. We'll figure it out. But listen, when you guess wrong about God, what could the circumstances be any more dire? I mean, if one day we're going to all stand before God and one day we're going to face his judgment, can you imagine the consequences of guessing incorrectly? Can you imagine of li- the consequences of listening to the wrong author, the wrong podcaster, the wrong television personality? Can you imagine the difficulty of realizing in that moment you or they or them or whoever was guessing incorrectly? Listen, even though we're all so used to guessing about God, Guessing will never help us. We need to move. We have to move from guessing to knowing. That's actually my second point, knowing. And to do that, we would have to find someone who isn't guessing. Someone who with certainty and clarity speaks about God. And the writer tells us, and in fact, you know if you've been coming, he's been telling us that that someone is Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the one guy who in human history has been able to speak with confidence and clarity and certainty about who God really is. In fact, he points us to a couple of reasons for that. The first, you'll notice in the verse, look at what he says, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, He has made him known. The first reason the writer tells us that Jesus knows God is he is God. That's a pretty good way to know for sure that Jesus is God. He is, in the the words of this verse, the only God. Of course, this is not new. The writer's been telling us this. In verse 1, he told us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verses 2 and 3, he tells us that Jesus made everything. In verses 4 and 5, he tells us that Jesus made us, that in him is the life in light of man. A central claim of this writer is that Jesus can speak with certainty about God because when Jesus talks about God, he is talking about himself. He's not guessing He's talking about himself. By the way, if you read the Gospels, you will find Jesus doing this over and over again. One of the things you're going to notice about the teaching of Jesus is he never qualifies. He never hedges his bets. He never says, to me, or when I think about, or he just speaks with absolute certainty. He'll even say things like, you have heard it said this way, but I'm telling you it's actually this way. Why does he speak so authoritatively? Well, it's for the same reason if you said, Zach, I'd love to have the family over for dinner. And I was thinking of making chicken pot pie. And I said to you, I hate chicken pot pie. What would you say to me? Mm, do you though? <laughs> yes, I can speak with absolute confidence 
because I'm talking about myself. That's how Jesus speaks about God. He knows. But here's, there's another reason the writer tells us Jesus can speak confidently about God. He's in relationship with God. Now, I recognize that sounds weird to you, and I'm going to explain it in a minute, but let me just show you in the verse. Look at what he says, verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. Jesus is both God and in relationship with God. This is the Christian doctrine of the Trinity. One God in three persons. Three persons and yet one God. It is right to say that Jesus is God and that he's in relationship with God the Father. What's interesting is the original Greek version of this verse uses the phrase that Jesus sits in God's lap. Jesus sits in God's lap. That's an idiom which means they could not be any closer. The idea is that in this kind of relationship, personal space is not a thing. Another time you see this verse is when we're told at the Last Supper that John, the writer of the Gospel of John, reclined on Jesus. He was literally kind of metaphorically in his lap. This is the kind of relationship where personal space doesn't matter. Now, let me be clear. For me, the only people that is true of is my wife and children. I value personal space. But sometimes when you're really close to someone, it doesn't matter. That's how Jesus is with God the Father. He's intimately in relationship with him. So when Jesus speaks about God, he can speak with the confidence and clarity and certainty of someone who knows. That's why Jesus will say things in the Gospels like, whatever the Father does, that's what I do. Whatever he says, that's what I'm saying. I and the Father are one. We're so close. Now, the amazing thing about that is that means when Jesus says things to us like, God loves us, he isn't guessing. He's saying, I know God really well. I I'm, I'm, I couldn't be closer to him. I am him, and I'm in relationship with him, and I'm telling you, he loves you when he says that God desires to forgive us. He isn't hoping. He isn't wishful thinking. He's speaking with confidence and clarity and certainty because he knows the God of who he's speaking. You see, Jesus is the one person in human history who never ever guessed when it comes to God, who was never confused, who was never grabbing hold of just anyone with confidence, who never had to worry about the circumstances of being wrong. Jesus knew with certainty. But here's the other thing the writer tells us, and it's good. It's good news for us. He came so that we also would know God that way. Look at the verse. No one has ever seen God, but the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. In other words, Jesus came so that you and I would move from guessing to knowing. That it is hard to break a tie between two guessers. Who knows who's right? Until the God they're guessing about shows up and says, this is who I am. Jesus came so that you and I might no longer be confused about God, but might be able to know with clarity and certainty and confidence who God is. The coming of Jesus is proof that God is not hiding from you. He's not desiring to be cryptic, to be hard to find, 
to be unlocked by the select few, by the intellectual elite, by the morally superior. The coming of Jesus is proof that God desires for confusion to be over and for clarity to be ours. He wants to be known by you. But you see, there's a, there's a something implicit rattling around in this verse. And that is that if we were to move from guessing to knowing, something really hard would happen. And that brings me to my third point, receiving. I want you to imagine that you are having the Wyrock family over for dinner. You've planned a wonderful night. You've planned a wonderful night. You know the food you're going to make. You know the games we're going to play. You know the animals you're going to bring out. You know, you've got all these great ideas. And then you happen to run into my 14-year-old son, Deacon, in the atrium. He's serving in East Hall. I don't think he wore the sunglasses today, but maybe. He's serving in East Hall. And you run into him in the atrium and you say, Deacon, I can't wait to have you guys over. Let me share with you everything that I have planned. And you lay everything out for him. And he looks at you and says, oh, no, that will never work. Now, he would be in big trouble if he said that, okay? But he says to you, no, 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 no. We don't like that. Don't make that. Make this. Don't get out those toys. None of us care for those toys. Get out these toys. Don't turn on that television program. Turn on this one. Keep the animals stored away or only get out these animals. If he began to tell you, listen, everything you have planned, it, it won't work. But if you really want to have a great night with the Wyrocks, I can tell you everything you need to know. Boy, in that moment, something wonderful and something awful would be happening at the same time, right? On the wonderful side, you would be given all the information you really needed to have a great home run night with the Wyrocks. On the other hand, everything you thought you knew about kids and about our family would be contradicted. And in that moment, you'd have to decide what matters most to you. Being hospitable or being validated. And there is no greater question facing you than this question. If it is possible to know God, to really know him with confidence and clarity and certainty, to really know how he feels, to really know what he wants, to really know what he's like, that's wonderful news. But it's also awful news because it means the things you and I thought we knew about God the opinions we thought we had, the expectations we thought were okay, might not be true. I wonder if you feel this if you're here this morning and you're not yet a Christian. Because that's kind of the tension of the Christian faith, isn't it? On the one hand, there are these wonderful things that are being said. That Jesus, God himself, the Son of God, is saying to you, God loves you. God wants to forgive you. He's so passionate about your forgiveness that I've come to live in your place and to die in your place and to raise from the dead and you can know that you've been forgiven and loved and spend eternity with him in heaven because I have risen from the dead as vindication of everything that I've said. What a wonderful message. But here's the truth. He has more to say than that. And if you begin to open yourself up to really hearing from God, to, to really knowing him, to, to allowing him to speak into every area of your life, you can expect 
to be contradicted that some of those things you say, well, when I think about God, I think about a God who's totally okay with this area of my life, which is great if you want a fantasy God. And fantasy gods are great because they never challenge you. They always affirm you. They always validate you. But they're no help to you when you face God. Or you can say, I really want to know God. But you can expect that in the same way when you really get to know anyone, they will contradict you. Jesus is going to say surprising things about every area of your life. About your money, about your family, about your marriage, about your sexuality. He's going to say a ton of really challenging things. And the question before you is always going to be, do I really want to know God? Am I really willing for him to speak through Jesus to me? And the math of the Christian life is to believe that he has enough wonderful things that he's said and proven that whatever else he says really is good, even if it doesn't feel good when we hear it. And that's the question for you if you're not yet a Christian. That's the question that John has been driving at in these 18 verses. Do you want to know God? Are you willing to be contradicted? Are you willing to be challenged? Are you willing to be surprised? Do you find in Jesus a reason to lay down your pre-existing opinions about God? But by the way, that's not just true for those who aren't yet Christians. It's true for Christians as well. You know, the danger is, I think, for us modern people when we read the New Testament is we always tend to identify with the good guys in the stories. I don't know if you've noticed that. We're always identifying with the tax collectors and the sinners and the people who are forgiven and the people who really get it. But I have to tell you something. When I read the New Testament, when I read the Gospels, I have more in common with the enemies of Jesus than those people. And I was born into a religious family. When I, the songs we sing, I can sing most of them with my eyes closed. No problem. I don't need the screens. I know them. I've been in church my entire life. I even work here now. Okay? I know what to wear. I know what to say. It's my entire life. And so the temptation for me is always to feel like I know God. I know what he wants. I know what he's like. By the way, that's what the enemies of Jesus said in the Gospels. We know God. We know what he expects. We know what he wants. And when Jesus showed up, he had surprise after surprise, contradiction after contradiction. And they hated him for it so much that they murdered him. And i got to be honest with you, I know that impulse. Not to murder Jesus, but just to put the Bible down and leave it down. To lock off areas of my life from the voice of God because I do not welcome contradiction in them. Listen, this wonderful contradiction is what it means to really be in relationship with God. So I think for those of us who identify as Christians, John is driving in this, in all 18 verses, he's driving at this simple question, when is the last time Jesus contradicted you? When is the last time he surprised you? When's the last time that it was clear that 
that he didn't want something that you wanted. That he wanted something you didn't want. Because I have to tell you, if we can't remember the last time that happened, it isn't because we agree with him on everything. It's because we are no longer listening, asking, and receiving. We've become like the religious people in the Gospels, welcoming the God we're okay with, ignoring the God who contradicts us. When's the last time Jesus surprised you? When's the last time he contradicted you? When's the last time you welcomed us? what the Bible calls repentance. Saying to God, you are right. Listen, this just happened to me two or three weeks ago, and it's the worst. It really is. It's the worst. There was a, a situation in my life years ago that I'd kind of painted out in my own head to make me the hero, to make me the victim. I'd never considered the impact on other people. The way I told myself the story was that I had been mistreated, I had been maligned. I was the victim. And then like three weeks ago, like a punch to the stomach, Jesus made clear to me that was not the case. I remember going to my wife for validation and not getting any. Of her being a great wife saying, it sounds like Jesus is contradicting you. It sounds like he has something really hard for you. And in that moment, I had to decide, even me, wearing the jacket and the tie up here with the microphone, I had to decide, what do I really want? Do I really want the voice of God? Do I really want to know God, be known by God? Or do I just want to be left alone? And it was a hard thing to do, to sit down with people and to say, you know what, I was wrong. You weren't wrong, I was wrong. And it shouldn't have taken me so long to say it. That's hard. But if you think about it, it's also kind of wonderful. Because it means God cares enough about us to contradict us. That's it. That's, I think, the summation of the first 18 verses of John. God is knowable if you want to know him. But he doesn't change for you. We change for him. He is wonderful. He is good. He is right. And he's proven that in Jesus. Those who really want his voice should prepare to be contradicted. I pray for us. Father God, what a wonderful God you are that you look down on our guessing and our confusion and you don't, doesn't make you angry, doesn't make you, you don't find it funny, you, it saddens you. It saddens you to the point of sending your own son, that you yourself might say to us, this is who I am. This is where your relationship with me is. This is what's required. This is what's necessary. And God, not only did you say those things, but you said them in a way that was more wonderful than we could even imagine in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Our prayer is that Holy Spirit, for the first time or, or for the thousandth time, that you would lead us to be people who welcome the knowledge of God in our lives, no matter the cost, no matter the consequences. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.